Well, hi, everybody. I'm Rick Dancer. Welcome to Get Real with Rick Dancer. And are you excited? It's election day. This is a day everybody's been talking about for, oh, God, years, actually. And the last few months, this is all that's on the on the uh, airwaves anywhere. Um, some are talking about a red wave. Some are talking about a red tidal wave. Um, and it may all just turn out to be nothing. We don't know. Um, that's why we have elections. But watch. This is what I got to do today. Yes, I went to a voter's precinct. Look, that's me actually voting at a precinct. I haven't done that in probably, oh God, decades. And then I went in and I got to put my ballot in the actual ballot Thank box. Thank you. Thanks for your help. And then notice I didn't flip off the camera which I wanted to give the middle finger. I was so, so here's what happens. Well, I'll bring Alan on before and we'll talk about that. Our sponsors tonight, Chris Dental Family Dentistry, where everyone is welcome. This is Dr. Michael Bradley from Chris Dental. Don't ever forget how they made us feel for questioning what we put in our bodies. Don't ever forget how they made us wear masks and social distance, not based on scientific evidence, but politics. Don't ever forget what they did to our children by keeping them out of school and then making them wear masks. This November and every election to come, never let them forget what they did to us. And that's Dr. Bratlin always holding back on what he really thinks. And tomorrow night, Dr. Bratlin will be here joining me with Bill London. And we're going to be talking about the election results that Bill will be getting. Um, Margie Woodward, uh, you are on my page right now in my audience. And... Um, Margie, I'm sorry, but you have me mistaken for someone. See, there's these really creepy people out there and they use my pictures and my face and my videos. Um, they even post nude pictures of themselves with my picture on top of it. Um, and that's who you're dealing with. So you're calling me a cheater and a liar. But what really is happening is um, you've been sucked in by a catfish. And I'm sorry that that happened to you. Um, and I've done shows on that but it's not me. So quit coming on all my pages and telling me I'm a cheater and a liar <laughs> because I'm not. It's the wrong dude. Yes, it's my face, but that's not my naked body at the bottom. <laughs> hey, Alan, we always get <laughs> always something, something new. <laughs> well, that actually reminds me of a joke, but maybe we'll do that off air. <laughs> we'll do that somewhere else. You know what I'm going to do real quick? I'm just going to give... Um, Oh, I think, what can I do here? Oh, uh, uh, she's, she's having a day. So anyway, we're going to talk about um, the election. So it's good to have you here. I have to tell you, Alan, it was super fun to be able to go and um, walk into a polling place and actually vote. And I, here's the funny thing. So I really want to vote at this because for me, this is like a screw you kind of vote. You know, it's like you did this. I'm done with you people. And here's what I'm going to do. And unfortunately, I'm in Montana because there's nobody here screwing me. But it was a, you know, fighting for the red. And um, and I've never been like that. But I'll tell you what, I go into the polling place. Kathy registered. I went in when I got my driver's license and I it didn't go through. So I was not registered to vote. And I'm like, oh, my God, this is so depressing. And then the lady goes, well, you could, we have same day registration here. And so I just went down to the courthouse, registered to vote. They were super friendly and really nice. And it was awesome. Um, so I got to do it the old fashioned way. And, um, and the, just so all the Montanans understand, 
any issue that I did not understand or I'm not up to speed on, I because I've been paying so much attention to Oregon for this election, um, I did not vote on. So I voted on the things I knew I knew and the other stuff I let ride. Next time I'll be a full participant, but I don't want to be that guy that moves here from Oregon and starts voting my politics. <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, I actually have a rule. So if there's a ballot measure or something and you're uncertain about it or you don't know what's going on, if in doubt, vote no. That's that has served me well all my life. Yeah. You know, that's that's how it works. I wonder what the audience too. why you guys. Have, I would love to hear what you have to say about voting um, in person. Would you rather go back to voting in person or do you like mail in ballots? The other thing I want to tell you is, guys, we've been doing surveys on our shows and what you like and what you don't like. And we've had a lot of you respond and we're really learning some cool stuff from this. So if you would mind, here's the, the form. You go right there. It's like a five minute little survey and just put it and answer the questions honestly. And it helps us to kind of do more about what we're going to do. So, Alan, um, tell me what are you, I mean, you're kind of plugged in with all this. And I know Oregon's polls don't close till eight o'clock and it's five, five after five there. What are you hearing? What are you seeing? What are you knowing? Well, first of all, I think people are really, really excited that the political ads are going to end. So we're really tired of all that negativity and we can't wait to get our TVs back. Oh, I, I can. You know, I don't watch regular television, so I haven't seen even the ads here, but even the ones on the radio, I'm just really done. You know, I um, so some viewers are saying they enjoy vote by mail. OK, that's good. But I, I just like to know, guys, what you're thinking. So in, in terms of the big race, people in Oregon are watching tonight is obviously the governor, right? Yeah. Um, and I've reached out to a number of people today, uh, knowing that we were going to have this conversation. And everyone is everyone except for one is predicting what uh, I had shared a week or two ago when we talked is that it was Tina's race to lose. Um, and everyone expects Tina to win, that Betsy probably will not siphon off enough Democratic votes um that so there's been polls out and the published polls are all pretty positive towards the republican but there's some private polls which are very very good and have come out very recently and they show they show tina with with an edge um also the cook report has uh, shifted oregon the oregon governor's race from a toss-up to a lean democrat and I think we've talked about the governor's race four years ago, but on statewide races, the Democrats seem to outperform the polls. And I don't know if that's because of their union get out the vote effort or, or why it is, but uh, most people seem to think that Tina is going to win. Now I'm wearing a red sweater here today, just just for you, Rick. So that's not the outcome that I prefer. And I actually told a couple of guys when I made this prediction that uh, I would love to be wrong. And if that, that if I am wrong, I'm going to buy drinks for the entire group uh, that were put together. So hopefully I'm buying drinks. Um, I did talk to one person, though. He's very knowledgeable. He really digs down into the weeds and polls and surveys. And um, he thinks... He thinks that it's going to take a couple days before we know for sure, but he thinks that uh, 
that uh, the Republicans are going to win the governor's race. So I am hoping that uh, he is correct. So my fear is that when, the, you know, if Tina loses, uh, excuse me, if uh, Drazen, Christine loses, uh, people are going to end up bet- blaming Betsy when actually Betsy Johnson probably helped put her in the, in, even in the game. Um, not that Christine's a bad person. I think Christine is a wonderful person. She'll make a great governor. Um, but I, this is, I think what people forget, that's Oregon. You live in Oregon where people vote D just because they, they almost, there's people that vote D in Oregon that feel like it's, it's like Jesus or something. I don't know. I don't know. It's like, I remember when I ran for secretary of state, the Democrats that voted for me that were friends and they come up to say, you're the first Republican I ever voted for. And I was like, I thanked them, but I thought, so does that mean you're narrow minded? <laughs> I don't know. What am I supposed to take from that? So back in March and April, the polls, um, and, and before Betsy announced, but there were polls going both ways, Betsy in, Betsy out. And at that time, it was showing if Betsy was out, Christine would lose by uh, almost 15 percent, I believe, right. somewhere between 10 and 15 percent. So if the race is closer than 10 or 15 percent, then um, then uh, Christine was helped by Betsy. You know, I've had people come on my page today and say, if if um, Kotec wins, I'm out of here. I mean, I think or, you know, I think business, there's a lot of business that's going to and it's easy to say you're out of there. It's, it's a lot harder to really do it. <laughs> Trust me, I know. <laughs> but, you know, I mean, there's businesses, I think, that are they're sitting on the edge, big businesses going, am I going to stay here or am I just going to get the hell out of here? And I'm hearing Oregon talked about on the radio when you don't live in a state, when you hear it talked about, you realize the reputation Oregon has is a, a, a crazy place, um, you know, and, and people really, they really talk like that. And it's like, um, you, you see, they were talking today, they brought it up. They were talking on, on talk radio. They were talking about the measure 110 and they said, well, you know, Oregon did this. And then the, you know, 114, which, um, who knows what, so let's talk about 114. Cause that's a pretty big deal. Um, if if that passes, it's going to be tied up in the courts forever. So, do you know how um, do you know how ba- the ballot measures work in Oregon um, and the campaigns or lack of campaigns for ballot measures? This was all pioneered in the '90s by a guy by the name of Bill Sizemore. And if his name's familiar to some of your listeners, Bill is the one. He had a number of property tax limitation measures, ballot measure 47, ballot ballot measure 50, um, and then also some uh, spending limits that he tried to get in, ballot measure 7. They took him down on tax charges because they claimed his group didn't didn't, uh, file the proper tax returns. It... um, they, they trumped it up. They filed charges for bank fraud and racketeering. And in the end, it was just a simple citation for failure to fill, to turn in the right form. I think the school teachers were the one, the teachers union was the one that was hounding him. But he developed a model with ballot measures. And what you do is he would run maybe six different ballot measures and get them, get them submitted to the secretary of state's office. And no one would know which ballot measure was the one that he was going to collect signatures on. 
And what he did is he poll tested ballot titles. And if he could get the ballot title he wanted, he'd get, he'd collect the signatures and then uh, he just let it run its course because ballot measures win or fall by their ballot titles. Now, Oregon on all of its ballot measures have gotten titles very favorable to the Democrats, very favorable to the proponents of the ballot measures. So if any of them fall, it's kind of a surprise because they all have very Oregon-friendly ballot titles, um, including uh, Measure 114. Um, and, and that's a concern. But yes, I, I suspect the, uh, the U.S. Supreme Court's going to take a look at Oregon and say, what the hell don't you understand about our recent decisions regarding uh, the Second Amendment and, and the rights of the citizens? But so, Alan, in the world of, you know, because covering news all these years, it's like, is is Oregon seen as a testing ground? I mean, I know we were the first one with a bottle bill and, and people were proud of that. And we had our beach bill, which, you know, opened up beaches. And those were good things back in Tom McCall days. Those are good things. But now it seems like any harebrained idea that some far left group comes up with um, is brought to Oregon and it's like, hey, let's see if we can get Oregon to pass it. And and Oregon and Colorado. Yeah. <laughs> Reminds me of those old uh, old commercials. Let's get Mikey to try it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, let's see. Let's see if the people in Oregon are will will, will take yeah. hey, I know, let's legalize the drugs and then we'll use the money we save to go help re- restore those people back to who they were. But funny thing, they don't want counseling. <laughs> so nobody signs up for the program. But then Tina says, we're going to keep trying because we don't have enough evidence. Well, how many people have to die before you realize your program doesn't work? Well, you are absolutely right that Oregon is a test ground. It is a small state. It used to be a lot of the liberal trends would would uh, be developed in California and it would spread from California to Oregon and other places. But now we're seeing Oregon as being an originator because liberal advocacy groups realize that they can they can get stuff on the ballot and have a reasonable shot of prevailing in Oregon for far less than it would cost in other states. That's true not only with ballot measures, but I am convinced it's true with uh, legislation coming through the Oregon legislature as well. And it's funny you should ask this question because I've been having this very this very conversation with a, a number of clients lately and what we expect to come before the Oregon legislature and why every year or every other year we're getting just major major legislation affecting employers and businesses um and and i'm convinced that's the reason why well oregon is not friendly to business a small business at all i mean as as a small businessman when i was there it's much easier in montana well it's interesting though because um words matter and if you pull the word business, it pulls very poorly. If you pull the word small business or employers, it pulls much higher. And that's why the Democrats are always talking about business. And the Republicans and business advocates are talking about small business and employers. But yeah, you're absolutely right. I have a friend who's uh, pretty left. 
and it's a great guy. And he uh, was doing business for the state, um, you know, mental health stuff. And then he decided to go out on his own. <laughs> it was like, oh, I think six months later, I see a post on Facebook and he's saying, how come nobody ever told me about estimated taxes? <laughs> and I went, I wrote on there, welcome to the real world. When you get outside of government, that um, they just screw you left and right as a business person. Well, George, George McGovern, after he left the United States Senate, and some of your people are probably younger and may not remember George, but he was uh, one of the most liberal members of the Senate and ran for president of the United States, was the Democratic nominee. Um, after he left the Senate, he opened a an inn in Maine, just kind of a small inn, and um, ran that right into the ground. And he said that if he had had the experience of meeting a payroll before going to the United States Senate, many of his votes would have been different. Huh. So in, even if, if Drazen wins, that's good because we have a leader that's a Republican, something other than the supermajority. Do you think we'll get rid of the supermajority tonight? Do you think yes. that the legislature will change enough? Yes, absolutely. And I made that prediction when we spoke last time and I went around the horn talking to a number of lobbyists and the numbers that they are forecasting for the Oregon Senate and the Oregon House are absolute the same. That will be below a supermajority. It still will be a Democratic majority in the House. The Senate, there's an outside chance that it could be tied 15-15 but uh, it's more likely to be 14 Republican, 16 Democrat. With, uh, compared to right now, there are 18 Democrats in there. So that would drop it below the supermajority. And that's so what, what is, Alan, what does that change? So people understand when you have a supermajority, what's the difference between that and just a majority? The ability to pass taxes. Um, and, and that's what it is, the ability to tax the snot out of people and to pass. So um, the carbon measure, for example, that had a financial component. So a supermajority was required for that. Sadly, they did get a supermajority there. But there has been a lot of really bad legislation that did not pass, even though the Democrats had a supermajority, because one Democrat, a profile in courage, was willing to stand up and say, yeah, I caucus with you all Democrats, but I uh, I can't agree to that. And they, even though they had a supermajority, they could not pass it. And you know that the person I'm talking about is Betsy Johnson. So Betsy stood up to her own party, the supermajority, and stopped several pieces of legislation from going through because she didn't side through with that. Cap and trade was one of them. Over and over and over again, over a number of years. So... We are very, very thankful to Betsy and thankful that she left a very safe um, Oregon Senate seat to uh, try to make a difference in the governor's campaign. And, and she did. Uh, she absolutely has. If the race is close, if the race is close for governor, then she had a difference. And if Christine wins, then she made a huge difference. Right. And that's not taking anything away from Christine Raisin, because I know people love her. And I think she's a wonderful person. And I think she'll make a great governor. 
the and she has a compelling that. story too, a compelling family, an Oregon family story. Yeah. And and I get so many people going, you're against her. It's like, no, I'm I'm for either one of them that can win. But me personally, I think Bessie would get more done because she's going to have to work with more Democrats and she's in the middle because she's done all that. That's that was my whole point from the beginning. But nobody wants to hear anything except for I think sometimes what we fail to see is that we as Republicans are just as bad as the left sometimes when it comes to digging our heels in and not listening to other people. You know, I'm seeing that on both sides of the fence. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And and I think that uh, over over the years, it used to be the debate centered around the middle and the discussion centered around the middle. And over the years, and, and this was first pointed out to me by uh, my friend, Steve Kronakia, who you know, uh, oh, used yeah. to be a Lane County commissioner. But if you uh, if you can picture in your mind the standard bell-shaped curve, you know, it kind of, well, it's hard with the camera because it's backwards now, but it goes up and down and around, that the discussion now is centered on the tails, on the left tail and the right tail, instead of uh, people uh, bunched up in the middle. And that's unfortunate, but that that is really is the way society is. And politics now, sadly, for some people, trumps everything. It trumps friendships. It trumps family. Um, it is, are you with me or are you against me on these political issues? Well, and if you aren't with me, then you are against me in everything. Yeah. I mean, I yes. lost more friends because of this the reaction to COVID and my stand and politics and you know some 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 things that i said just about trump being at least i mean i think i think you know trump has his problems um but we all do right but we had our country was it was operate if you can't look at the fact that when he was in office you know he may have bumbled and said really stupid things and that there's times i just went as a as a marketing guy i'm like going oh my gosh i would hate to be on your team because we constantly be going um you know, but in terms of business and running the country, Biden's run it into the ground and and everything was going well when Trump was here. That's a fact. Whether you like him or not, it's a fact. And please, dear God, if Kotech wins in Oregon, my friends here on the Republican side on this, please, it's just an election. Don't cry. Don't be when when, when Trump won. I'm kind of was kind of naive. I had I went I won't say where because she'd know then, but I went to it someplace, and someone that I see every morning was there, and walks in and she's crying the day after the election. And I walked up and I said, "What happened?" And she goes, "You don't know?" And I said, "No, are you okay?" She goes, "Donald Trump won." I said, "Yeah," and she's just I mean tears, and she goes. Do you not know what this means? I said, you're crying because Donald Trump won? No, right now there's parents, there's people out there, a woman on my page named Stacy, who has terminal cancer and is fighting for her life. She and her family, they get to cry. There's people whose sons and daughters were killed in car accidents or a kid, kids in, in Washington state that were shot. They get to cry. But because your candidate loses and you cry about it, oh, my God, I was just I was mortified because I thought that is the most 
that is that is so out of touch with balance and what's going on. I, it, it's unbelievable to me that that people that then that, that, the response to that. And I think that is what's bizarre. And now we've got Trump. You saw, you know, he's going to announce next Tuesday. <laughs> I mean, he's all but, he's all but announced today telling uh, Republicans to get out of the race for uh, for president. I just saw um, a wire thing came by, Alan, that said DeSantis has, um, they called it, I think the Washington Post, I don't know who it was, somebody has called it in Florida. or. Um, and that's it. very quick by Florida standards. That's, I now I think that's what that's flew up. Quick. I can't go in there, but I, I can't go in and look it up and, without taking you down. So, uh, but I think that's what they were saying, that they were calling it for him. Um, so it's going to be an so interesting talk, night, don't you think? Talking about Trump, one of the... One of the best insights that I've heard political comments was my uh, my assistant's son uh, went um, what must have been six years ago now when um, Hillary and and Donald were running against each other. She asked her son, who was 18 years old, what he thought about about the race. And um, my my assistant she's fairly conservative maybe not quite as as conservative as i am um her husband ex-husband uh the boy's father is liberal and he gets a steady dose of uh input from his father and so she asked her son what he thought about the race and he goes well donald trump says stupid stuff but hillary does stupid stuff <laughs> And I just thought that that was a great analysis. And I think that still works. You, know, so, I, you want to talk about red wave for just a moment? Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's, you know what a red wave is? There is a well, definition. No, I, I actually I don't. But I, so, I know that it comes with the color of your sweater. Yes, yes. I, so, and you can't really tell, but this shirt is kind of a tropical blue and white. So I'm red, white and blue here today. There but, you go. The flag, man. But, but mostly red. Um, so historically, in the midterm congressional elections, the party out of power loses seats and it's 40 to 60 seats. So if the Republicans were to take 40 additional seats, they would clearly be in a majority and 40 sounds like a big number, but that's average. So that would not constitute a wave okay when people super, talk, it's like a ripple yeah so tradition so when people talk about a wave they often go back to the 1994 election where republicans grab 54 seats in the house and 10 seats in the senate and so that is the magnitude of a wave now if we even get a, a one a majority by one in the house and a majority by one in the senate we will take it and if it's more than one they'll be rejoicing in the streets and it should be uh but be cautious of this wave stuff because you may still be within the it may still just be an average election so the wave could be overblown yeah so um when, do you think what did you hear about what happened in Arizona? Yeah, I did. How can we live in a 
in a world where we have technology and all the things we have and they still can't run an election like that they're sending people to other precincts because they screwed up and i mean it, it you never used to hear about stuff like this and now it's like it seems like it's just um part of the process so remember when we first went into um afghanistan and the people voted for the very first time and they were proud and excited to vote and there were tears just because they got a vote for the first time. But do you remember what the images were of people holding up a purple finger indicating they voted? They had to dip their finger into a bottle of ink. And that is how could they tell who they could tell who voted and who hadn't. There are times where I think the United States, we need to do what uh, we suggested to people in Afghanistan and just have people dip their fingers in ink when they vote. And um, you, you talked about Arizona, but there was a story and I just saw the headline. I didn't read the story, but in Chicago, there's problems with uh, um, some sort of a attack and malware affecting election software in Chicago. Maybe that's what they're saying to explain why Republicans win. I don't know, but. Uh. You know, I, I, after going to a polling place today and I thought, it was so interesting because walking in, it was like deja vu, you know, and I walked in and nobody, nobody, you just, you just hand them your driver's license. You know, I had a problem because I hadn't registered, but you look up the name, you sign your name and you go and you vote. And it was like so easy and, and, and it was communal, you know, because you see people in your community there. So there's some accountability, you know, and there's three precincts in the same building where we had, where we voted. But it was like people were there, they were smiling, they were going about their business. And then I thought, start thinking, why is it people get their undies in such a bundle over having to show ID and sign to, to you know, I mean, to, 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 to vote? I don't well, understand. There's so many other things I have to give ID to do. Voting is pretty damn important to me. And I think it, I don't care. Like I, I'm like I, I was reading a, a commentary today. I don't care if everybody votes. I really don't. I care if intelligent, informed people vote, but I don't care if people go in there and just, I mean, I want everybody to have their opportunity, but the people that just go in and rubber stamp somebody through, I really don't care if they vote. I think it should be people that are educated and doing their part to be a part of the culture. And if they believe far, far left you and they really believe it, go for it. But don't well, just go haphazardly. There is a cynical uh, answer to your question is um, that by requiring voter ID, it makes it more difficult to manufacture votes. Yep. It makes and it more I, difficult I, to bring in people from out of state to uh, vote. You know, you can vote in Washington and Oregon and California, kind of a long day of driving, but you can hit all three states. Well, and, and, you know, and, and there is something I've, always been a fan of mail-in ballots until the last few years. And then you start going back and really looking at how long it's been since we've had a Republican in the, in the, you know, Dennis Richardson was the first in how many years in the executive branch. And you start going, well, I wonder if that plays into that. Will ever, will anybody ever look into it? And you to even bring that up right now, I'll, I'm sure I'll get nasty emails because to even bring that up and say, What's wrong with you know making it a national holiday and giving everybody the chance to go in and do this? 
um, and then mail in for people that are, you know, shut-ins and service people and that kind of stuff. But it seems to me to make sense. I, I, I'm really happy I live in a state where that, that you do have a polling place. I like that. It's more accountable to me. So breaking news, Sarah Huckabee Sanders is projected to be the new governor of the state of Arkansas. Wow. The, Clayton, the state bill uh, Clinton was from, but it never went back to. Huh. So what's interesting, though, people really are watching Oregon. I mean, oh, yeah. you know, because I think a couple of things is one, the um, measure 114, even though it's going to end up in court. Um, that's the most restrictive gun law in the country. And people are going to be watching to see what happens in Oregon. And then, and then there's a bunch of people that are just go, well, they are the ones that you know legalize 110. <laughs> they do that there, you know. Um, but I think yeah, they should have made that ballot measure 420. I don't they missed the opportunity there. But, yeah, they should have come up with a better. Um, um, well, th another concerning ballot measure, though, is the one that makes uh, medical care a right under the Oregon Constitution. The oh, that's the other. What is that? 112? Yeah, I, I forget the numbers. Yeah, that, that's a scary one. Yeah, because what's going to happen? There's no money associated with it, and and no. they say and they say that it's revenue neutral. But what it what it will do though is for the next ten years, the Democrats are constantly going to be wanting to increase taxes in order to pay for it. Now, I don't understand why we need that. I thought Obamacare was supposed to solve all those problems. I read an article on this, and they said the same thing. They said it it's it's not. And one article I read said it wasn't financially neutral at all. No, um, it's it, it's it's um, what what is so interesting about it is, you know, maybe that's where they take the feel good issues to Oregon. <laughs> I feel like a better person because I believe this. Well, it, just because you believe it doesn't make you make, if you can't pay for it. You know what they should. I remember somebody when I interviewed him a long time ago, they shouldn't be able to create a ballot measure unless you can fund it. If you can't find the funding for it, then you don't get to put it on the ballot because how much wasted time, court time, attorney time, how much, no offense to you because I want you to get paid, but, and you don't handle things like that anyway, I know, but how much time is wasted if we just said, here's the bill and here's the idea, here's what it'll cost, and then let Oregonians deal with it. It's a, it, it, it never comes funded. The mandates never well, come funded. But they're supposed to. They are They are supposed they to know. tell you what the revenue impacts are, and, and they lie on that. And the Oregon uh, Court of Appeals and the Oregon Supreme Court lets them get away with it. Huh. Ooh, I, I, I shouldn't have said that, I guess. You. I, uh, I guess I won't be appearing before the Oregon Court of Appeals or the Oregon <laughs> Supreme Court uh, anytime in the near future. Alan, thank you so much for your time tonight. And um, I'm going to be watching from here. And if you guys, if you want to get the results and don't have to pay attention to the news, um, you can just go on the Secretary of State site um, and go in and the election returns will come in county by county. And then the full state, you can just look at it yourself. You don't have to rely on news pundits on there to regurgitate their fine faults and what they believe because you're just getting a bunch of bullshit with it with your with your results you can now rick i remember when you used to do that <laughs> oh we did it all the time it was like oh my god and if Alan, you're concerned about local races go to the uh lane county elections divisions webpage. um but uh remember to hit refresh because 
every hour they update it. But if you don't hit refresh on your browser, you're not going to get the latest numbers. All right. Alan Thayer, thanks again for your input. Um, Rick, Rick, it's always great to see you. All right. We'll talk to you soon, man. All right. Bye. All right, Alan Thayer. And again, tomorrow, Bill London uh, from KPNW will be here with uh, as many results as we get, as we can get from Oregon. And Dr. Michael Bratlett will be here also with comments on what he's thinking about. Um, uh, when, on Friday is Veterans Day. And here in, in Townsend, Montana, a guy named Roland Heaton uh, is the coolest guy. And we're going to be talking to him on Friday on a special show. Here's a little clip from that. Mom and First six months with the Montyards and last six months with the Southie and the Mies. You know, you take a hard look at yourself and see what you are as a human being. And if you're a Christian, you really have to take a hard look at yourself. So what do you think people do that enough in our culture today? That we Do we take a hard look at ourselves? I'm seeing, especially now, with the conflicts between the different political factions. When I was growing up, it was religious factions with the Protestants, Presbyterians, the Catholics shooting each other? No, I don't think we do. I don't think we try to look at our inner self and try to be the improvement we need to see in the world, that we want to see in the world. And that's Roland. He will be here tomorrow. Corey, I saw your comment. Here's the deal, Corey. Um, Facebook doesn't show you all the numbers, and we we broadcast this on on so many different places. Um, So we, um, last month, I think we reached close to 300,000 accounts. Um, In June, we hit 2.3 million, then Facebook throttled us back. We have about half a million the month after that. Um, But so it's it's usually 250,000 accounts we reach up to about 500,000. So it's a lot more people than you're seeing numbers on here um, coming on and doing that. But I appreciate your comment about the content and that you like it and that kind of thing. But we are reaching and then we're also on Instagram. We're on and the people love that over there. And uh, yeah, but we can always use more viewers. So tell your friends about it. Share it on your page. We always are looking for a bigger audience. But um, yeah, no, there's a lot of people out there. And we can't can't do this without people like Chris Dental Family Dentistry, who sponsors the show. And also one last commercial, Bucks Sanitary Service. If you're having a party, a wedding, an event, think about them to provide this kind of service for you. and the rest of you can always pray for us too <laughs> we do accept prayer so uh we we have to fight the media gods all the time and um i you would not believe how much time i spend and tim schley who works with me um that we spend finding ways around um the censorship um, if i didn't have to do that i could spend so much more time finding great content for you guys but um unfortunately that's the world we live in um and uh Unfortunately, uh, a portion of the world believes that censorship is okay, but hopefully tonight that's going to change. I'm praying for a big tidal wave. And like I said, I've never been a super partisan guy, but I've seen what Biden and his administration and people who follow him have done and Kate Brown and I'm done. 
um, this is this we, we have to change this. We can't allow them to destroy our country. So get out there and vote. You and Oregon have until um, eight o'clock. Um, here in Montana, it's almost seven o'clock. So you got another hour. Um, do not let this opportunity go away to say no more of your shit. And remember what they did the last couple of years. Remember how they made us listen to them. They made us remember how they divided us. Um, don't forget. Never forget. You don't have to be angry about it. You can forgive them, but don't ever forget. Yeah. 